Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another edition, another episode of the Steelers Fix. I'm Jeremy Betts, uh, and joined as always by Andrew Wilbar. Uh, he and I are mortal bitter enemies this week, so if there's a little more tension in the air, uh, you will understand why with Ohio State hosting the team from up north. Michigan. 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 <laughs> the team up north this week. A uh, little bad blood going on, but that's okay. Hey, we're here to talk some Steelers football, and we're also going to talk um, some UMOSU uh, draft prospects uh, in the first half of the show before getting to the nitty-gritty, what we're really here about, which is the uh, drafting of the offensive players that are most valuable to the Steelers moving forward in 2022. And we've got a special guest for that half of the show, the second half of the show. We're going to bring on the cutting room floors, Jeffrey Benedict, for some insight and to join us in our draft and make things a little more interesting this week. So do not go anywhere. You're going to want to hang around for the second half of that of this show uh, and catch uh, Jeffrey and Andrew and I uh, talking up some Steelers offensive players and drafting those players according to their value for this team. We don't have a lot of time uh, for this episode because I'm guessing that part is going to be um, you know, heavily involved. We're going to talk a lot with Jeffrey. Uh, so let's just jump right into it, Andrew. Um, the Steelers Fix, uh, just to do a little uh, housekeeping here, is brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Andrew and I both write for the website, and we both podcast here on the Steelers Fix. And then you can also catch me on um, uh, Let's Ride on Fridays with uh, Jeff doing uh, NFL game picks and the All Bets Are Off segment. And Andrew guests appears and does the draft stuff. And he's just a fantastic mind for all of these players. Keeps an eye on uh, the college landscape for us here at BTSC. Uh, and Andrew, before long, we're going to be right in the thick of draft talk. So let's just jump into it here. Usually this is where we do our fastest two minutes, our draftest two minutes, right? For, for you, but um, you know, with a heavier look at OSU and Michigan this week, let's talk, just real quick, just give me some players that stood out to you in uh, in week 11 action uh, across the uh, the college football landscape. Well, I really want to focus on the early games that took place in the early games on Saturday. Keely Ringo, corner from Georgia, he had an interception against Will Levis, had a really strong game. Georgia's offense didn't do a whole lot, but their defense came through when they needed it. Keely Ringo led the charge. Zach Harrison, your Ohio State boy, yeah. who has done – Practically nothing this year. Had two <laughs> yeah. and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. Um, and the little bit of a scare against oh, Maryland. Man, we needed Both every Michigan bit of it. and Ohio State had some scares today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, we're recording this. We have to record this a little bit earlier this week because of the second half of the show. That was just how it worked out in our schedule. Um, a guy I want to mention though, John Marshall, linebacker from Navy. Mm. He's only six foot one, two hundred and nine pounds, and it would not shock me at all if he struggles to put on some weight. I could see an NFL team moving him to strong safety. But this week, Navy had a huge win. I believe it was against UCF, if I remember correctly, an upset win against yep. UCF. He had ten tackles, seven of which were solo tackles, and he had four sacks. Hmm. He went off, and this guy's got decent athleticism as well. He's been mentioned occasionally in draft talk, but this is really going to put him amidst that mid-round draft conversation, a guy who's going to continually rise as the process goes along. But the big thing is going to come down to his size. Where does he fit? 
Um, Servasier Dennis had a 14 tackle game for Pitt. Yasir Abdullah in Louisville's upset win against NC State. Six foot one, 242 pounds, probably either a Sam or a Will in a 4 3 system. Mm. But seven tackles, three tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, big game for him. And then Detrone Young, corner from Duke, had five tackles, a pass defended, and an interception in the losing cause against Georgia. Those are kind of your guys to keep an eye on from this previous week's action as we head into the final week of the regular season, Jeremy. Mm. Rivalry weekend. The best weekend in college football. Amen. I don't care what you say about your college football playoff and your national championship. Rivalry week. That's right. Is the week of college football. And we've got a big one, as always, between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. And uh, there's going to be a lot of talking about blue and scarlet and gray. And uh, But, Andrew, we're going to talk about some prospects that don't make us feel blue, even though you're probably going to feel blue a little bit later uh, on this week. You know, let's talk about some guys that get you excited instead of this game, which is going to, you know, not go so well for you, most likely. Hey, you guys haven't beaten us in over two years. About <laughs> oh, wow. two years oh, man. You know what? Uh, we're counting we still the days. hold the all-time record. <laughs> counting the days and the hours, right, I guess. So, hey, when you're a fan of a team that's only won twice in your lifetime, yeah. you cherish those times. Yeah, you you very well should. Yes, <laughs> um, to be honest. Yeah. So the great thing though about two teams like Ohio State and Michigan is that we'll see a lot of these players again at the next level. Yep. And the way the Steelers draft, we'll likely see a couple of them potentially in the Could black and gold. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Devin Bush and uh, Cam Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward are teammates and. You know, Zach Gentry uh, and Cam Hayward are teammates, and we used to have uh, Ryan Shazier. Woodley. Yeah, Lamar Woodley. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Ryan Shazier and, uh, you know, uh, Duran Grant. Wasn't he an Ohio State boy? Duran Grant. Yeah, yeah. Duran Grant. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was surprised you went with that one. But. <laughs> yeah, not, not great, um, actually. But, hey, uh, so we can get to the second half of the show and bring Jeffrey Benedict on. Andrew, let's talk about some of these guys. Some matchups, though, that we're we're looking forward to. Uh, Mike Morris and Dewan Jones. You've got those two guys uh, listed here. What about their matchup sparks your attention for this game coming up? Well, I think with both guys, it's outstanding measure measurables. With obviously oh, yeah. Dewan Jones is a massive human being, but Mike Morris, a guy who could run, you know, a low four seven in the forty. At six foot three, two hundred and ninety-two pounds, this guy's really burst on the scene this year. He's become Michigan's top pass rusher. Mm. Typically lines up on the weak side, so I expect him to see a lot of Dewan Jones um, this upcoming week. They may try to move him around a little bit. You may see a little bit of Paris Johnson, but regardless, I think this is an opportunity for Dewan Jones to prove something because his draft stock has been slowly trending downward. Not necessarily because of poor play, but just because of other guys trending up. Mm. And just like anything, if you're not moving up, you're moving down. There's yeah. no, there's, it's very difficult to just remain steady. And I feel like that's what's happened with Dewan Jones. He's just slowly settled down in the draft rankings a little bit. I think this is a game where he can boost that with a strong performance against Mike Morris, who has been on fire over the past month. Yeah. Morris is just so, so powerful and Mm. the versatility too, where he, where he'll flip um, and, and jump inside every now and then. And, um, and he can move, he can move interior offensive lineman just as easily. Oh yeah. I mean, he can be a fit in a four, three as an end, 
a three technique, or you could put him in a three, four as a five tech. He's yeah. that versatile. Yeah. He's got a DeMarvin Leal type yep. uh, versatility and maybe even a better player overall mm. potentially as well. But like you said, from, from Jones, I think he's, he's reached that point where his athleticism has taken him to where it can. Right. And he's got to start putting some of this, some of the technical aspects uh, that coaching brings in, um, you know, he's got to get coached up a little bit as far as uh, some of these things. And that's what these scouts are going to be looking for. That's why some of these other guys that uh, you've talked about a lot throughout this season have been moving up draft boards because you're seeing them kind of put together the athleticism and the, the technique uh, Jones has got to do that a little bit better here moving forward. This could be a showcase for that though, if he can hold up a guy like Mike Morris and, and uh, help that Buckeyes offense stay moving. Um, okay. Let's move on to a couple more guys that you're excited about. Uh, tell us about a Smith versus Whipler matchup here. What do you like about this one uh, for uh, Mozzie Smith? And then what do you like about it for Luke Whipler? Well, with Mozzie Smith, it's just the opportunity the Steelers could have to finally get their next Casey Hampton, whether it be Siaki Ika, Mozzie Smith. There's a lot of good nose tackles in this draft. Guys that have some three-down potential, they may only be used as two-down guys, though. Um, but Mozzie Smith, insanely athletic. We're talking a guy who could maybe run 4'8 at three hundred and almost 340 pounds. I mean, <laughs> this is I mean, we remember last year the athleticism. We were all wowed. By Jordan Davis. Mozzie Smith has the potential to do just as much in terms of athleticism as what Jordan Davis did at the combine last year. It's that level for Mozzie yeah. Smith. Uh, but it's just, you know, the consistency and being able to finish on plays. That's the big thing. Can he finish? If he can finish plays in the backfield, this guy's a complete player. This guy could be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a third round pick as of right now, just because he hasn't gotten to that point. But with Whipler, he's a redshirt sophomore. There's no guarantee he declares. If he does, I think he's a day two pick. Um, if he goes back to school, I could see him potentially being a late one as early as next year as a junior. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if he makes the move back, but he's become one of the leaders on that offensive line. Yes. The one concern though, he's six foot three, 300 pounds. He's as athletic as he is, he's not the strongest offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. He uses leverage. He uses technique. Yeah. Mozzie Smith is powerful. This is going to be a very difficult matchup for Whipler if he's put one-on-one against Smith, which I think they're, the guards are going to give some help in this matchup. I don't think they're going to put him on Smith one-on-one. But if he does, this is either an opportunity that's going to make or break Whipler's 2023 draft stats if he is going to test the waters this year. Quick question for you, Andrew. Do you take... Would you take this year's Michigan defensive line over 2021s with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo back there? No, no, I wouldn't. Okay, I, I, I don't. Th- I think the way Michigan's Michigan has always feasted off of good edge rushers, at least in the Jim Harbaugh era. Yes, and I'm not trying to down Mike Morris. I'm not trying to anything like that. He's been phenomenal, but you can't top what Ojabo and Hutchinson did. And Mozzie Smith, a lot of people don't talk about what he did last year. He was huge for run defense. The reason Michigan's pass rushers were able to feast, just like TJ was so often able to feast, mm. is because Bud Dupree, Alex Highsmith, guys that could help the run on the other side. And you had interior guys who were really strong against the run as well. That was the same with Michigan last year with Mozzie Smith. It was led by Mozzie Smith, but there were other guys in there as well that were able to hold down the fort in the running game. Christopher Hinton was another guy. Um, they were so good against the run. It allowed Michigan to just focus on rushing the pass from the outside. I don't feel like that's been quite to that extent this year. It's a good defensive line. Don't get me wrong. And there yeah. are 
they're probably better against the run overall this year, I would say. But I I'm I don't think overall they're as dangerous of a unit as what there was last year. Yeah, I think you might take the development of the interior this year over what it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely on the edge. I mean, yeah. when Ojabo comes back healthy for the Ravens, watch out AFC North. Watch out this league because that dude's a freak, and uh, he was mm-hmm. he was somebody that I and he was just learning the position yeah, last year. Yeah, he's he's got every tool you could ever want at that spot. So, um, okay. So let's, let's roll through a couple more of these, Andrew, um, go ahead and give us your, your next matchup that you're looking forward to watching most. Uh, and then we'll kind of cycle through some of these quickly to get to the second half of the show. Well, I want to move to the last one because I want to make sure we get time for this. Is Ryan Hayes, the Michigan left tackle against JT Tui Malau. Mm. We mentioned him a couple weeks ago after his monster game against Penn state. He's not going to be in the 2023 draft, but 2024, I could see him being a top 10, maybe even top five draft pick. He's that good of a prospect. Yep. He could even toy with the number one overall pick as someone we've seen with past Ohio State edge rushers. Uh, but Ryan Hayes, the guy with a strong performance like against Tui Malau, I think that bumps him into the first round conversation. This is a solid tackle class, I think. There's yeah. some decent depth here. But Hayes has the opportunity to move into that round one range with a strong game against Tui Malau. He's been nothing short of solid this year, but he hasn't had that wow game yet. This would be a wow game if he can stop to him allow have a big effect in the running game that maybe lead that could potentially lead Michigan to a win. If something like that happens, hmm. Ryan Hayes is going to move up draft boards because people are going to realize his importance. Um, I'll let you give a word about Paris Johnson. He's going against Diaby Okia, triple transfer yeah. uh, for Michigan. He hasn't had a whole lot of production, but he's athletic. He's got some upside. Um, how do you think Paris Johnson's going to fare against him? Paris Johnson really is a technician at tackle and a guy that you're looking at when he comes out um, just ready made for a, for day one start. Right. So that's kind of what his upside is uh, in this draft class. Um, his ability though, to at least, at least force uh, Michigan to have to bring extra guys to get pressure on uh, CJ Stroud. If he can help eliminate that left side rush and uh, you know, really take off or take away the, the Wolverines ability to rush just four and play coverage, then I think you're, you're going to see um, the reason why teams are high on Johnson, you know, <laughs> moving into, into the draft and why he's a potential day one prospect here. And um, you know, we talked about before the show started, he's kind of been, you know, he, he's kind of been not been talked about as much uh, recently in, in draft circles, just kind of because he goes out and does what he does. It's not so much that he's, chucking people around or that he's uh you know putting all these flashy plays out there but he's just steady eddie out there um so you kind of lose track of some of those guys when you get some of these flashier players but how he holds up against uh oki is going to be a a huge deal and so i'm excited to see paris johnson this week um you know what he can do for for stroud especially who uh was pressured a lot by maryland and and looked a little off he looked a little off the last couple weeks whether that be weather or pressure really taking the the taking it to him um paris johnson and company gonna have to step up yeah the last two i'll if it's okay i'll just mention these real quick if you want to add some you can i mean that's just the corners and receivers in this game michigan doesn't have any excellent number one receivers it's not the michigan of a couple years ago when you had nico dpj Tariq black 
those guys. But Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell have been productive. I would say Cornelius Johnson's been the most the most consistently productive receiver this season for Michigan. The one who's had probably the best chemistry with JJ McCarthy. Um, going probably he's going to be the one to see the most of Lathan Ransom, who I have a fourth round grade on right now. Could move it to a day two grade if he tests better than what I expect. Mm. I just have concerns about his overall athleticism. Yeah. Um, but he's had some strong, strong games this year, and he's a big part of Ohio State secondary. Um, and then on the opposite side. Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously, Harrison Jr. is just a freshman, but Fleming, draft prospect, DJ Turner, draft prospect that Steelers fans need to pay attention to, potential first-round pick at cornerback Ben, had done a phenomenal job the past two seasons, just a true lockdown corner, but he's not the biggest guy. Let's see how he does against the speedy Marvin Harrison and the physical Julian Fleming, guy who can also get open with his uh, quickness. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like Ohio State and Michigan always have at least one player in the secondary that looks to be an NFL prospect yep. uh, the next year. And so uh, that's good coaching. That's good good scouting. And uh, these guys are going to have their hands full, though, uh, against this these receivers. Um, Michigan, they're going to need that running game this week. Um, Blake Corum, we're keeping an eye on his injury status. I think he'll play most likely um, just based on what we saw uh, with Donovan Edwards couple- is just as big as Corum. I'll just add that. Donovan sure. Edwards – in my opinion, if even if Quorum is out or not healthy, if Donovan Edwards is good to go, I think the Michigan is fine. But if Donovan Edwards isn't good, there's a huge drop off to the third sure. guy in that depth chart. Yeah, they would need an outstanding performance. Keep an eye on this game for you draft Knicks. And uh, if you're an Ohio State or Michigan fan, hit us up on Twitter. And then, Andrew, I'm excited about the second half of this show. We're going to get Jeffrey Benedict on here right now after this short break. Andrew, you got something real quick. Just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody out yes, there. Absolutely. Always don't make it a one day out of your year thing. There's so much to be thankful for. Thank the Lord for the opportunity that he's given me to work at a great website like this. Um, thankful for all the BTSC staff, Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield. They do a great job. Um, thankful for being able to do this podcast as well. Always a highlight of my week. Um, just uh, thankful for the opportunity um, that I've had to work here. So uh, just happy Thanksgiving to all y'all listening. Enjoy your time with your family, friends, um, and go blue. And don't bring on Christmas too fast. Let's have Thanksgiving first. (laughs) All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, Andrew Wilmar, Jeremy Beds, and Jeffrey Benedict, we're going to break down. We're going to break down this offense and draft the most valuable players for the remainder of 2022. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, The first half we talked about uh, some draft prospects and some fantasy football nuggets. And since we're actually having recording or recording this before the Steelers game on Sunday, we won't give you any recap of that, but uh, we will uh, be, we're so excited to have Jeffrey Benedict from uh, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com here with us today. Jeffrey, how you doing, man? Welcome to the Steelers Fix. Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, love the show. Actually, I've given you guys a few shout outs on my show yeah. a couple of times, but but you guys do a great work over here and it's, it's hey, it's going to be fun to be a part of it. Yeah, man. We wanted to have you on because uh, 
you know, you're the show right before us when, it, when you talk about coming off the, or coming out on the audio platform. Uh, so the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict, it's a, it's a must listen every week for me. I know that for sure. Just getting uh, inside the game real deep. And then, you know, the Steelers fix comes right after that. So Steelers fans Tuesday, good, a good day in your week. Uh, if you're following behind the steel curtain.com. And uh, so Andrew, did you have any questions uh, for, for Jeffrey uh, before we get going with, with today's uh, topic, which is drafting the Steelers offensive players by value for the rest of this season. Did you have any questions for Jeffrey? Well, those that didn't get to read the Steelers Vertex article that came out this past week on Deontay Johnson, I encourage you all to go and check that out. It was really interesting. Um, but I want to ask Jeffrey specifically, what do you think Deontay Johnson's outlook is beyond this season for the Steelers? What is his role? And more importantly, how far long-term is he in the Steelers' future? I, I think he's a big deal. I think the biggest problem we have uh, right now with Deontay Johnson is just familiarity between him and Kenny Pickett. Uh, when I did an article before the season started with the quarterback battle, I went through and I said, you know, what, what receivers would benefit the most? And I, it was my opinion, Deontay Johnson looked to be at his best uh, with Kenny Pickett once they developed some chemistry because it's such a timing-based thing with Deontay Johnson. He's not big. He's not great fighting for the ball. You've got to hit him where he's going to be. And once they develop that chemistry, I think they'll be good. And I think we saw a step that direction. Uh, but I think the biggest problem is they were so committed to Mitch Trubisky. Pickett and Deontay Johnson didn't get any reps together uh, preseason anytime. So I, I think that's the biggest problem we're seeing. Uh, and I, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be the leader. I don't I don't know. He's not a real number one to me, you mm -hmm. know. But I think he's a good compliment to George Pickens. Pat Fryer moved that off. I think he has a good role in this offense and it's going to be a good it's going to be a significant role i, I don't think he's a star though i don't yeah. think he's the number one guy does that change at all though if uh, matt canada it gets shown the exit door at the end of the year as far <laughs> as scheme wise goes you know it i think deontay kind of uh meshes well with kind of whatever scheme because he's a route runner right yeah. so you don't have a you're not having to set him up for success because he does that on his own but uh like you said, getting the quarterback in rhythm with him, that's that is the key for sure. So before we get into uh drafting the the offense, Jeffrey, just tell us a little bit real quick about the cutting room floor, what it's about, and any other things you got going on at behind the steel curtain.com right now before we jump into this draft here. Well, you you mentioned my two babies. Uh the uh the vertex yeah. I do with Dave Schofield. That's my favorite article I do every that's that's probably my favorite thing I do each week. I, I love that. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, we get to just pick something from the game that happened, some story that jumps out to me, and, and we cover it. And Dave goes through stats. I go through the film side of it. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Cutting Room Floor is my show that with the film rooms I do, there's oftentimes there's stuff I see that you don't really have enough to put together a film room on. But you have thoughts and you have stuff you've seen over course of, you know, over a couple of weeks, stuff like that. There's a lot of times I'm like, I have thoughts, mm -hmm. but I can't really put it into a film room. And so yep. cutting room floor kind of came out of that. Uh, it's it's the entire idea is this is the stuff that doesn't get put in my film rooms and my other articles <laughs> and things. And it's, it works. I, I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, other than that, I've, I'm on the, uh, I host know your enemy every Wednesday night. Uh, great show. Great to be in the live chat. 
And uh, we always bring in somebody for the other team and unless everyone bails on us, you know, almost every, almost every week we have somebody yes. uh, talking about the other team. And it's great because you get insights uh, similar to how like Steeler fans can give insights that you, you listen to national media and you'll be like, these people miss key things about the Steelers or sometimes just it's clear they don't watch the Steelers really much at all. Yeah. Uh, to have someone who can cover the, the the people coming up for the Steelers. It's a great thing. It's it's a lot of fun and it gives a lot of insight. Yeah, um, I agree with that. It, like you said, listening to the national media, they they tend to run with a lot of these preseason narratives that you get built up in, you know, week 10, week 11 into the season. They're still running with those things. And as a fan, you're like, that's not the issue anymore. Come on, let's get it right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely Steeler fans. If you're listening to this show, you don't want to miss Jeffrey Benedict every week with the cutting room floor and know your enemy and online uh, writing film rooms and the Steelers vertex. All right, let's do this guys. Let's get into this draft. And Jeff, since you are our guest today, we're going to let you have the number one overall pick. And what we're doing here just to kind of clarify. So nobody's confused is that we are drafting players from the Steelers offense that we think are most valuable to the team moving forward this season for the remainder of the year. If they want to be in contention or if they want to, uh, just be relevant in in the NFL the rest of the season. Who is most valuable to that effort? And it could be tough. There's going to be some tough picks here. How do you rank some of these guys? But Jeffrey, get us get us into it. Dive in with the first overall pick. Who you got? Number one overall on the Steelers' offense. Number one overall, Pat Fryer move. Hmm. Uh, and I'm picking Pat. He was by far our most efficient receiver early in the season. He's getting more attention. He has uh, 23 targets the last three weeks, so he's up over seven targets a game. Uh, It's a little less efficient, but he is so key. He's such a mismatch creator. And in Matt Canada's offense, the the tight ends are so critical that if this team is going to have success this season, Pat Fryermuth really needs to be the guy they run through. That's a great one. Um, Kind of – you know, maybe not something you'd expect. You'd think go quarterback maybe first or, or you know, maybe an offensive lineman or a left tackle or something like that. But, yeah, Pat Frymuth, man, that's a good pick. Uh, for With the Steelers without Chase Claypool now, you know, mm-hmm. you got to have that big body in the middle of the field, and he fills that role. So, and obviously security blanket for, for Kenny Pickett, that is a, a big key as well. All right, with the second pick in this draft, we're going over to Andrew Wilbar. Andrew? you got number two most valuable player on the Steelers offense moving forward this season? I'm a little disappointed because I wanted Frymuth really badly, but I had a <laughs> feeling that was the way Jeff was going to go. So I'm going to I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm going to go with Mason Cole huh? uh, simply because of the – just simply the impact that the center has as it pertains to the Steelers' running game mm-hmm. and the running success the te- that the success this team is going to have running the ball. And Mason Cole has played well at times. Other times, I mean, it's, it's been a complete mixed bag. And I, it's so difficult when we're drafting this way because typically, regardless of what draft it is, I'm like, you know, build the line, stack the offensive line, stack the offensive line. And then we're like, we're drafting based upon value. I'm still trying to – I'm second-guessing myself in my head because I'm like – there is no Steelers lineman right now that I value above some of these other skill position players, yeah. mm-hmm. but based upon importance moving forward, I think Mason Cole, if he is at the best at his best, 
I believe that the Steelers offensive line as a unit will improve. And I believe that Najee Harris is capable of doing more if the offensive line is cohesive. And I believe that begins with the center and Mason Cole. Yeah. The communicator on that offensive line. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I speak for myself here, but you guys, if you agree or not, I think he's been as you know, everything you could have hoped for from a center so far this year, maybe not super dynamic, but um, staying healthy, uh, no problems with the, with the transaction of the snap, uh, communicating the the uh, pressures and the block schemes. I think he's done a good job. I think he's been maybe the best signing of the Steelers off offseason so far this year, in my opinion. I'm going to go with a guy that kind of broke out this last week. Um, well, the week before, sorry. <laughs> Got to think with a Tuesday mindset here. Uh, broke out against um, – uh, the Saints, and that's Najee Harris, you know, the guy that's being blocked for by Mason Cole here. And we saw a different Najee Harris in the Saints game and uh, a guy who was more decisive and a guy who um, was kind of taking to heart some of the things that I think coaches were telling him in that, you know, this you got to help these guys out. They're not going to be able to hold these blocks so long, and and you can't try to hit a home run on every play. Just get what you can, use your power, use your explosiveness, use your decisiveness and pick up those yards. We saw that with Jalen Warren early in the season. That's kind of his running style. We saw success with that. I think Najee Harris is on board that train now. And uh, hopefully, you know, that continues moving forward. So uh, Najee Harris, because you have a rookie quarterback, his role is so vital and his value is so important because he takes so much pressure off of Kenny Pickett. That's why I've got him at number three. We're doing this in a snake draft, so it's going to snake back to me here uh, at, with the number three overall pick and then going into four. I struggle with this one because I really want to go quarterback. I just don't know if he's the driving force of this offense. So I'm going to go with another offensive lineman. I'm going to go with Dan Moore Jr. Now, it's like taking Dan Moore Jr. number four overall. Good grief. That's high. He's not that good, right? Well, it's, this isn't about how good he is. This is about how valuable he is to this team moving forward. And we saw, <coughs> excuse me, when he struggles, the passing game struggles. Uh, when defenders can can uh, line up against him one-on-one -on -one and, and just dominate him, uh, six sacks against the Saints, you know, that was a, a big deal. And so uh, Dan Moore Jr., he's got to be a – a, really an anchor on that offensive line on the left side, protecting their young quarterback investment. Kenny Pickett, he is number four uh, in my opinion here. Andrew, we're going back to you in the draft. We've got Pat Fryermuth, Mason Cole, Najee Harris, and Dan Moore Jr. Who are you going with uh, with the number five overall pick here? See, I'm split between two, so I'm just trying to figure out who's gonna who would be taken first of the two in hopes that I can get the next one on my next pick. So I'm going to go with George Pickens here uh, simply because when he's been involved in a focal point of this offense, good things have happened. He doesn't always separate, but he doesn't need to separate when he, with the body control and the hands that he's displayed this season. Um, I think, I just think if that Pickett Pickens connection is what we saw when Pickett originally became the starter and he is the primary force. We talked about Deontay Johnson a little bit earlier and how he's not, ne not necessarily a true number one receiver. And that chemistry is still building in between him and Pickett. Pickett seemed the most comfortable when he was step when he stepped in as the starter with George Pickens. I think feed it to Pickens. And I believe this offense can run 
at least when they're passing the football, I believe it can run primarily through George Pickens and this team can find some success. Jeffrey, I wanted to ask you this. Why do you think the downfield, the go routes, the, the, the posts um, haven't been there for Pickens? Cause that's kind of what I, I would have pegged him for as being his strength coming out of college is kind of the, the deep middle and intermediate portions of the field. Um, but we've, we've seen, uh, Kenny Pickett much more likely to go over the top to Deontay Johnson. Where's that vertical game for, for George Pickens right now? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think it comes along with separation Mm. because Pickens, Pickens runs his routes and he doesn't care. Like it's almost like he doesn't care. He lets the defender stay on him. And then it's just like, I'm going to beat this guy. Right. That's, Mm. that's how he kind of does his routes. You don't see a lot of separation. And with Kenny Pickett, uh, at this stage, he's he's more of a separation thrower. He's not always mm. seeing guys like when they're about to break open. He's a little late on those ones, and so I think Pickens struggles a bit there. I I, I don't get it either because they they played together more. They, yeah. they actually did get time together. Uh, I expected more with once you know we saw it early on when he first came in with George Pickens, right? Uh, being a target, but that's that hasn't really gone as far as you would expect it to have gone. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's obviously got the speed to take the top off the defense. He's got the size, but you're right. I think he's a <clears throat> a late separator in the route and Kenny Pickett's not quite that comfortable with that yet. All right. So it, it's back to you, Jeffrey, for the sixth pick, uh, who are you going with as the sixth most valuable player? Well, I, I definitely the player, I think right after George Pickens comes, the quarterback, Kenny yeah. Pickett. Uh, I, I I think George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth, the run game, the offensive line, those those all play a part because you have a quarterback who is in a process of development. And that's why I think Kenny Pickett belongs down here at like number six. Uh, but this is where he fits. This is where he belongs. This is where his value is. He He's not the guy. If, if, the, if he's the guy driving your offense, your offense isn't running very fast right now. Mm. Uh, he's just not that guy. The same, the same with I, I go always go back to Ben Roethlisberger and his rookie season. That offensive line, both running backs, uh, probably Plexigo Burst and Heinz Ward were more yeah. important to him in that offense. Uh, sure. But once all that was in place, he could he could do it. He was fine. So yeah. that's my that's my pick number six. That's the end of round two. Yes, end of round two, and we're snaking back to you at the start of round three. Who you got at seven? So at seven, I'm going to go with the guy we talked about earlier, and that is Deontay Johnson, because as much as he may not be that number one guy, he may not be an elite overall receiver. Uh, he is a separation guy. He's a route runner. He, I, I think there's some weaknesses in his game once you get past the initial stages of his route uh, where he, he allows players back into it. But he gets that initial separation. He's great for a quick timing offense. And Kenny Pickett, as he gets more comfortable, I think he's going to become a guy who is going to be very good in an offense that Deontay Johnson would be good in. Yeah. Right? They they have that kind of – they just seem like they're going to work. Kenny Pick is all about timing and accuracy. That's Deontay Johnson. You get there open at the right point real quick, just boom, get me the ball. Uh, I think that's going to improve. And so I think he is a very important part going forward in this offense uh, because if Kenny Pick is going to develop into the guy we need him to be, this year even, uh, it, it's going to be – Deontay Johnson going to be a big part of it. 
Yeah, so the last three picks have been George Pickens, Kenny Pickett, and Deontay Johnson, three uh, important players in in that passing game. Um, Andrew, I wanted to ask you, uh, talking about Johnson, with the Steelers trying to rebuild this run game and use that as kind of the the focal point of the offense, the driving force behind it, excuse me, hopefully that improves play action passing, right? And that part becomes a, a, a bigger impactful part of the game who benefits more from a play action passing game is it George Pickens or is it Deontay Johnson well typically you would think George Pickens because of what you had said earlier about the deep passing game but it hasn't been there so I, I think it just comes down to who John, who Pickett is most comfortable throwing the ball too deep down the field which as of late when they have thrown the ball deep, it's been more Deontay Johnson. So as of right now, I would say it would affect Deontay Johnson more. But if you're going by overall, his overall, I should say, skill set, I would say it would typically go toward George Pickens. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and especially when we're seeing these rollouts from from Pickett a lot, off play action, um, naked boots, all these things. You get a guy that separates early in Deontay Johnson. He's going to look open right away. That's going to be um, – that's going to be Pickett's first read a lot of times. So uh, great analysis there, Andrew. Uh, we're we're going to you with the with the eighth overall pick here. Uh, who you got after uh, Deontay Johnson as the eighth most valuable player on the Steelers' offensive roster? I've got to take him before somebody else takes him. My boy Stephen no. Sims Jr. Oh, and I want to ask right. Jeffrey about him <laughs> because what what is his role now with Chase Claypool out of the picture? What how involved do you think he will be down the stretch? I mean, I've loved this guy since his days at Kansas. I I thought he was electric. I thought he could have been used better while he was there. Their passing game was not always the most consistent during his time at Kansas, but he got open. He made plays after the catch. And really, I, and I'm saying even there's more to the level of Deontay Johnson, not saying that he is better than Deontay Johnson in any way, shape or form. But if you're going by the strict comparison to the skill set of an Antonio Brown, I believe Steven Sims is the closest thing the Steelers have had based upon pure skill and ability that we can debate that. I, I just would like to get your, t- your take on Steven Sims, what his upside is in this offense, not just this season, but also moving forward. Yeah, I, I was, I'd say if you're looking at raw skill, like if you go back to 2010 rookie Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Steven Sims has a has a lot there to offer. I question what he's going to be able to do in this offense when Matt Canada clearly has had trouble getting Deontay Johnson really going. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Deontay Johnson's season, yeah, he, he's been he's gotten better since his rookie season. Uh, and obviously in 2021 really exploded. But you look at his efficiency. His best season for his efficiency was for yards per target was 2019. And that was mostly Mason Rudolph. Hmm. Mason Rudolph and him were good in 2019. And that's Randy Feekner, right? Bruce Arians had Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, those guys. Randy Feekner was able to use them. Matt Canada? Not so much. 20, uh, 2021, even as even as Deontay Johnson racked up over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns, it was on 169 targets, under seven yards per target. The way Matt Canada uses receivers like this is not effective. It's not great. So to me, I like Steven Sims. I really do. I just question whether this offense is going to be able to use him while Matt Canada is in charge. 
Yeah, I figured Steven Sims would come out here uh, pretty quickly. Andrew, do you have his home and away jersey or just, uh, you know, maybe the color rush too? Or, you know, what's going on with that? <laughs> I will buy a Steven Sims jersey. if Again, we're recording this before Sunday's game. <laughs> I'll buy a Steven Sims jersey if either he has 200 receiving yards against oh, wow. the Bengals <laughs> or he has, I'll say, if he, if he has 500 receiving yards and five touchdowns the rest of the year, I will buy a Steven Sims jersey. 500 go. receiving yards and five touchdowns. Wow. We're not Nothing setting the bar, him. not setting the bar too high there, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. So Steven Sims going early, that helps me out. You know, I've got some valuable guys that, that I'd like to get in the mix here. Uh, I've already taken an offensive lineman um and a running back. But I think I've got to go again here to the offensive line, and I'm gonna go with uh Kevin Dotson as value to the Steelers. So I've kind of picked, I've got Dan Moore Jr. And I've got Kevin Dotson now, the left side of the offensive line. And here's why. Kevin Dotson was billed as this mauling, uh, aggressive, angry blocker. Uh, and that's what we saw his uh, his rookie year when he was first thrust into action. And we were like, man, this is a guy that you can build an offensive line around. That's what we saw out of him. A lot of us in Steelers Nation uh, were you know, he was highly touted after that first year. And like, let's, let's, let's see this. And then injuries and uh, maybe being in bad shape, got him in the doghouse a little bit, but for the rest of this year, if the Steelers want to compete, if they want to do more than just uh, play for pride, Kevin Dodson has got to be a, a road grader in front of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and uh, really help spring that running game. And if he can do that, then the offense's potential then starts to climb and Kenny Pickett's growth rate starts to climb as well because he's not having to do it all. He's able to process better. So just based on value, Kevin Dotson, whether he succeeds or fails the remainder of this year is going to be huge for the Steelers, not just this season, but going forward as well. Um, what do the Steelers do uh, along the offensive line moving forward? So if you really see a good final seven games out of this guy, then you know maybe you, you've got something going there that you can build on for for 2023. So uh, snakes back to me. That was the let's see. That's the end of round four. Is that right? Is that how or end of round three here? Let's see. One two three. That's the end of round three. Sorry, my math is bad today. So uh, we're gonna go at number ten overall. I'm going to take. Oh man, this is tough. I'm gonna take. Let's go with Jalen Warren. I'm going to take Jalen Warren because I think his value spelling Najee Harris and being a part of that, that committee backfield is huge. And his uh, value as a pass blocker, his value in the receiving game, uh, being able to just get on the edge and use that, that burst, that speed to uh, turn a four yard gain into a 12 yard gain. We've seen that uh, a couple of times this year already. And so that's going to be huge for the Steelers moving forward and being able to uh, kind of, push Najee Harris to keep up that aggressive and and decisive running style because that's what we're seeing succeed and that's Jalen Warren's calling card I think that's huge for this offense as well so that's why I go Jalen Warren Jeffrey I want to ask you about Warren uh is he a guy that should push for even more snaps than the 42 percent that he got this uh, against the Saints or do you kind of like that area 60 40 split kind of between Najee and Warren or do you 
think maybe he should see it even less if Najee's playing better. I actually like that split a lot. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. It's going to keep Najee around the numbers you want him to. And I think you're going to see uh, Warren is a good changeup to Najee Harris uh, in, in games where the defense is able to really adjust to Najee Harris. Jalen Warren comes in and gives you something different. Uh, and he's still a tough runner. They're both tough runners, which is good. Uh, but I, I like I like that balance, and I, I like Jalen Warren getting about those number of snaps. We saw in this game, Najee had the rushing yards uh, against the Saints. We saw Najee had the rushing yards, but Jalen Warren came in and made that huge reception. Like, there's, there's ways where they are going to strike the defense differently, and you're going to be able to use both of them well. Yeah, absolutely. Um so important to to the rest of the season for those guys to be at their best. Um, Andrew, we're rounding out our our. Uh... Oh shoot! Is everybody still there? Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm clicked the button on my computer and uh, threw off my screen. So I apologize there to the <laughs> audience. <laughs> uh, Andrew, we're we're still doing this draft here, and and you're going to round out the starting eleven, if you will, of valuable players here with the eleventh overall pick. Uh, who you got uh, valuable to the Steelers? Has nobody taken James Daniels yet? No, he's still there. I'm going to go with James Daniels simply because that, I mean, there was an expectation when he was brought in uh, based upon not only namesake, but also the amount of money that he's being paid. And I don't know. I'm no offensive line expert. We're, we are talking with one right now. So I'll give the floor to him about James Daniels. Uh, but overall, I would say just based upon the entire offensive line's performance overall, I would say James Daniels has not completely lived up to expectations this year. Am I, but I do believe that if he can become closer to the player he was in Chicago the previous couple seasons, it would do wonders for not only the Steelers ranking, but just the offense as a whole, having a leader on an offensive line with the experience that Daniels has. Uh, what do you think, Jeffrey? I, I think he's very important. I, I I agree with the pick. That's a good pick for it. Uh, he he is kind of the the leader of this this line, mm-hmm. and that makes him very important. I think he was he was actually a really good signing. It took him a while to get fit, but now I, he's consistently our best offensive lineman, in my opinion. Yeah, you saw him struggle early on with the maybe the tactics that um, Pat Meyer was teaching along the offensive line, but that's come kind of to fruition and he's been very solid on the interior a big reason i think that we've we've seen a, a boost in the run game um more recently so um all right jeffrey we're gonna we're gonna do one more pick here to give us uh each four selections in this draft so you're gonna get kind of the 12th man here uh but we still have a, a starter or two that's out there because of uh of some backup picks in uh sims <clears throat> and uh <laughs> Jalen Warren here. So uh, who, who you got at number 12, Jeffrey, to kind of round and, and finish out this draft here? Well, in the spirit of Jalen Warren mm. and Steven Sims. All right. My opinion, one of the key aspects for the Steelers going forward is Pat Fryermuth being used out off of the line, mm. being used in the slot, being used out wide. And so my key player here is Zach Gentry. Love it. Uh, because when they move Fryermuth, when they do two tight ends, Zach Gentry becomes your inline tight end. And we need to see his blocking hasn't been as good as it was last mm-hmm. year. He's had some struggles there, especially in run blocking, which is has, is surprising seeing what we saw last year. Uh, and he also needs to show he can be a, a bit of a receiver too, a little bit more than yeah. he's been this season. 
so I'm, I'm looking for Zach Gentry to do a little more. Be Look more like the guy we saw last season uh, because that's going to be key with getting Pat Fryermuth more involved. Yeah, I agree with that. Mike Tomlin's press conference in the lead-up to the Cincinnati game, he was asked about Zach Gentry and his importance and talked about his size comparison to those 4-3 DNs and how he's uh, better suited for those types of situations. Um, I, I – uh, totally agree with what you're saying about him in the passing game. He's got to be a little bit better there. We're we're already starting to see the Steelers go to Connor Hayward in some of those mm-hmm. more passing uh, downs, you know, more key passing situations. So that's definitely something where if he wants to maintain a spot on the field a little bit more and be more effective for the team, he's going to have to improve there. All right. So just a quick recap here. That was fun, guys. I, uh, the draft was great. I think it went well. Um, Jeffrey, you've got uh, Pat Fryermuth number one overall, okay? And your team consists of Muth and uh, Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, and then uh, Zach Gentry. How are you feeling about your uh, your squad of four there as far as I like them. I'm, yeah. I'm good with that squad. I'm pretty good with that squad. That's yeah, good so, some good skill uh, positions there. And then the young gun, the, maybe – you know, plays the most important position. Eventually, hopefully he tops this list, right? That's what mm-hmm. we want to see. Uh, hopefully he's that kind of player moving forward. But uh, yeah, okay. And Andrew, you've got uh, Mason Cole. Uh, you took him second overall. And then George Pickens, Steven Sims, and uh, oh, man, I always want to say Chase Daniels. I don't know why. I definitely um, didn't take him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, James Daniels. Uh, how you feel about your squad of four there? I like it. And before we move on, I just gotta say one thing. I know we're yeah. running out of time, but finishing out with Jeff with Gentry is ironic because Jeffrey and I were both we were both born in the same city, <laughs> the same hospital. We're both diehard Michigan fans. This is a good segue to our final question we were gonna ask Jeff. Yeah, yeah. But we both hated Zach Gentry <laughs> when he was coming out of college. This mm-hmm. man could do nothing right in college. He oh, couldn't yeah. stay. I mean, running around after the catch, he would trip over his own feet. Mm-hmm. If he caught the ball, half the time he would drop the ball. He couldn't hold a block to save his life. I mean, this man, <laughs> then he ran up like a 4.95 in the 40. I was there when he ran it. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. He's not going to get drafted at all. Those Steelers take him. We could have taken Foster Moreau around the head. Instead, we take Benny Snell. And then we take Zach Gentry after that. Uh, like, what is this team doing? Andrew, on uh, on the that. contrary, I I love Zach Gentry when he played at Michigan. He was <laughs> he was one of Shut my up. favorite players. <laughs> I mean, they had the they had the Zach Gentry play, which was like you run around and do all this stuff, and Zach Gentry would go like five yards out and just stand there with his hands up. <laughs> and if you could lob it to him, maybe he'd catch it before he got like crushed. Maybe uh, the, best play, the best play in his career was in a game I was at when he had a pass on an end round against Maryland. And it was a horrible throw. But fortunately, Donovan Peoples-Jones caught it. But, Jeremy, uh, can we yes. ask the question now? Well, I, I need to talk about my squad here first before All we right. do that. And and then that's uh, Najee Harris and Dan Moore Jr., uh, Kevin Dodson and Jalen Warren. I've got two linemen and two running backs, baby. So we know where my thoughts are on that. And I'm comfortable with that. I like it. I wish I could have gotten a receiver in there uh, but didn't have one uh, that came available at the right time. So, hey. The draft was great, but yes, let's ask the question because uh, for those of you who don't know, and if you've been following the Steelers fix for a while, I'm a big Ohio State Buckeyes fan. Go Buckeyes. Woo. O-H-I-O. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got uh, two cohorts here that are uh, uh, 
severely anti Ohio State. And so um, the big game, the game is coming up between the Ohio State University and the team up north. We're about to cross out all the M's in our house this week. So, Jeffrey, uh, tell us how you th- what do you think? How's this going to go this, this next weekend? Uh, there's a lot of prospects to watch in this game, uh, NFL or potential NFL prospects coming up. So keep an eye on that for a uh, version of it as well. But just from fan perspective, how, how do you guys think this is going to go this week? For me, that that's the number one thing is we're, we're recording this early and yeah. we have no news on Blake Corum, except that he, he looks good and they hope that things are good. Uh, that That's not enough for me to be confident mm-hmm. in this game at all. If Blake Corum is truly like, you know, there's, there's players who can play, you know, TJ Watt was good enough to play against the saints. He wasn't himself, Mm -hmm. right? That happens a lot. If, if he is good enough to play and it looks like Najee Harris, the first couple of games of the season, uh, then, then Michigan doesn't have a prayer, Mm. right? If, if they need Blake Corum that they don't have, I mean, I, I, I think behind him they had the freshman kid. Yeah. So is, is, uh, what is what's the Donovan Edwards' status? Yeah, I don't think he's back for this game either, right? I know he was out. I didn't know because I at one time I thought there was still a chance he could be available. Because if he's available, I think the Steelers, um, Michigan would still have a chance. Um, if Donovan Edwards is available. But if he's not, there's a big drop off after Edwards. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be something to watch too. Yeah, both both <laughs> running backs on a team that is seriously built around the run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's what this team is built to do is run the ball. Yeah. And uh yeah, I just see what those running backs are. If they're good shape, if they've got those two going, both of them going, uh Michigan, I think, repeats and and, and beat wins this game again. If they're not if they're yeah. in bad shape as the running backs, it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be really ugly. Mm. Well, I hope it is the latter, just my uh, personal opinion there. But, Jeffrey, that's all the time we've got. We're quickly running out of time on this Zoom conference. So let's say goodbye. Tell uh, Steelers fans where they can find you on Twitter, and uh, we'll head out. All right. On Twitter, I am at Fantaskippy, P-H-A-N-T-A-S-K-I-P-P-Y. That's yeah, follow I've, all over Twitter, but all my articles, everything there. Sounds good. Follow Jeffrey there. And Steelers Fix fans, we'll be back again next time. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>